Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. A blessed All Saints Sunday to each of you, as you can tell with our uh, liturgical colors this morning. In his, oh, in our wonderful music, holy cow, these guys. <laughs> in his well-known letter, The Gospel of Life, Pope John Paul II noted a couple decades ago that the modern West promotes what he has called a culture of death. We live in a world that not only allows, but even often encourages the killing of the unborn and the elderly and leaves the sick and the poor often cold, naked, and hungry. A world that allows unjust wars and where murder and suicide are sadly commonplace. A world where the family is devalued, where the public good is ignored, and where godly virtues are often ridiculed. The world, the flesh, and the devil in our own day not only allow but encourage a culture of death. It seems that the main reason, I think, that the world promotes this culture against our own natural and spiritual nature is that we fear death. If the secular world is correct in that whatever life means is limited to our 90 years, then it's very reasonable for us to fear death. Death destroys our identity. What happens to you? It destroys our loved ones. It destroys our accomplishments. It trivializes our acts of love and the joys of life that we so enjoy. It reduces the glory of God in creation, including the dignity of every human life, to just another object that is passing away. If this is how the world is, death is the victorious enemy. And we can certainly understand why the world responds in fear to this reality and promotes a culture of death in order to protect itself in vain. But church, y'all know this is not of Jesus. This is not what he offers us this morning. Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it abundantly overflowing. Jesus invites us this morning to clearly and wholeheartedly reject the culture of death and embrace the good news of life. Today is the feast of all saints. And the good news this morning, church, is that we are celebrating our victory over death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Feast of All Saints started as a celebration of the life and testimony of the martyrs in the early church. These are the martyrs that were described for us in our first reading from the book of Revelation. In St. John's Apocalypse or Revelation chapter 7 verse 14, we have that beautiful scene of the eternal worship of the triune God, Christ the Lamb in heaven, and the glory of the Holy Spirit on display. And then the scene cuts at the end there to the most prominent human members at the heavenly altar. The ones whom John says are, quote, those who come out 
of the great tribulation. These are the martyrs of the church over the millennia. Those members of the church who gave their very lives as a testimony and a proof that their hope, their trust, their life is found in Jesus alone. They fully trust that Jesus will raise them from the dead on the last day. And so they had no reason to fear death. These are the ones described in verses 15 and 17 who have that honored place in the heavenly throne room, who are even now worshiping God in his temple day and night, enjoying their savior face to face and experiencing the redemption of their wounds and suffering. You see, church, if we believe what they believed, it changes everything. We no longer live in the fear of death. And thus we need not protect ourselves and encourage the culture of death. No, we are free to reject the culture of death and believe in the good news of life by belonging to Jesus. When we believe in eternal life by trusting in Jesus, we can fully give ourselves to God and we can become like him a living sacrifice for the life of the world. We can live honorable, upright, holy lives devoted to God no matter what comes and know that we will receive the crown of glory on the last day. This was what St. Paul was encouraging us to in that very long sentence in the book of Ephesians. In the early church period, the church began to have these local Eucharistic celebrations for the martyrs. We had one just a few weeks ago for the Kolbar martyrs. After a few centuries, the church recognized a need that actually we should celebrate everyone who is in the great cloud of heavenly witnesses. So we began today's global celebration of all the saints who were faithful uh, to Christ until the end. This morning, to that end, I have a simple call to action for you. Remember your death. We reject our society's fearful culture of death and embrace the gospel of life by remembering our deaths. There's a classic Latin phrase from the monasteries for this, memento mori, remember death. We actually like to remember our deaths because like the martyrs, we want to live for the resurrection, for the age to come and not just for this dying age. We remember that our lives are actually not about this age. They're actually a journey of drawing closer to Jesus. And thus death is not the end for us, but it's the gateway to even closer communion with Jesus. And it is indeed the penultimate step in becoming what we will be, the new creation, life with God in the restored heavens and earth. So, momento mori, remember your death. I'd like to take a brief aside here to note that remembering our death can be hard for some of us, especially if we've recently lost a loved one. If that's you, it's very possible that you are daily hounded by the grief of death. And if that is you, please remember, you are not alone in your grief. 
God himself, first of all, has come to you in human flesh. He died so that you would not have to experience the sense of loss that you feel now forever. Indeed, right now, he weeps with you, that you are bodily separated from those you love. And we remember how Jesus entered into the sadness of the moment with Lazarus and his friends and loved ones, even though he knew that he was about to resuscitate him from the dead. He still wept with them because the loss of death is so real and tragic. You are not alone in your grief. Jesus himself enters in with you right now. And further, he has called us, his church, to walk alongside you and share with you in your grief, to weep when you weep and be with you on your hardest days. If you are struggling with this right now, please feel free to reach out to a pastor or a member of our pastoral care team. We have people who would be delighted to walk with you right now. For the rest of us, in the modern world, we have a bit of a hard time remembering death. We are often so separated from the final days of our loved ones. I mean, we don't even see our plants and animals die so that we can eat. It's hard to remember our death. So here's a few practices that I would recommend to help you memento mori. I would recommend anytime you have the chance, uh, in accord with what we just said, to go and be with people at hospitals, vigils, or funerals at the passing of a loved one. It's a great gift to be with saints as they die and to be with families as they enjoy those last moments and celebrate and then grieve their loved ones. It's a beautiful thing to hear the story of a regular old saintly life lived in communion with Jesus and to let them go into the fullness of joy in his presence. It is a gift to see someone die well. Another practice, perhaps that you could do even this week, is to visit the grave of a loved one or go to any cemetery and offer a prayer to God for the faithful departed and, uh, or in thanksgiving for their lives there. Actually, just outside our now closed doors, um, we have a columbarium. And you can pray with some of the local saints of our own parish. Also, uh, I know some people who have found spiritual consolation in writing their own obituaries. Perhaps write down what you wish people would say about you when you die. Consider your end and plot out, perhaps, what practices and godly virtues that you might need to acquire or work on between now and then to realize said obituary. By the way, we're only about a month from Advent, and that is what Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is all about. So I commend that to you as well. I haven't done the obituary practice, but I have thought about, perhaps, what I want on my tombstone. And I aspire to make that my vocation. It goes something like this, and I wished it rhymed, but it doesn't. Here lies Matt Trailer, beloved of Jesus, the best dad and husband, an excellent priest, and a mediocre outdoorsman. <laughs> Memento Mori, 
remember your death. On this All Saints celebration, we don't just remember our deaths, but we remember the deaths of all the faithful departed. We will, at the end of this sermon, read a list, a, a pray a list, in fact, of our loved ones departed who were faithful to Christ and whom we will see again in Jesus' presence. By the way, I think I need that list. So if I could have an usher go grab it from the back and bring it up for me, I'd be very grateful if I don't have it already. Oh, it's here. Thanks be to God. <laughs> we are acknowledging as we pray that we with them are worshiping this morning in the throne room of heaven with Christ. And he makes this present to us by his presence, especially his Eucharistic presence. The body of Christ is here and there, so that both the church militant, us, and the church triumphant, them, participate in this one worship and offering to God. For this reason, the church fathers describe the Eucharist as heaven on earth and the church as the earthly heaven. Or, as we say at Christ Church, we are an embassy of heaven on earth. Indeed, that was the heavenly worship that we heard described in Revelation chapter 7. And that is what we are entering into as members of the body of Christ this morning. Thus, we are not the only ones here this morning. By the Holy Spirit, God and Christ the Lamb are present with all the company of heaven, including our loved ones and all the saints now gathered around Christ in the same worship. In remembering uh, the faithful departed this morning and this week, I'd recommend perhaps that you pick up some hagiography, books about the lives of the saints. Or perhaps you could include a daily reading from the church fathers in your prayer hour. You see, we believe that the church consists of all those who have gone before us all the way back to the apostles in Christ. And we have a duty and a joy to listen and learn from them of what the Holy Spirit has been doing throughout the church's life. Remember death, those who have died in the Lord. I'll also briefly mention that the church has always been open to asking the saints in heaven to pray for us. Now, I know that's a little uncomfortable for those of us like myself from other Protestant backgrounds who are rightly concerned about the idea that you can't go directly to the Father or directly to Jesus. Let me say, you are right about that. We can always, and we always should, pray to our Father in heaven through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That is our birthright as God's children. And yet, because of the resurrection, as Jesus said, those who have died are still alive to God. And thus, in the communion of saints, the church is always expected that the Spirit somehow communicates between us, that the saints can hear and even pray for us. I think of it kind of like having a Christian friend or prayer minister today during communion pray for you. Which, by the way, would also be a good step this morning for, uh, the, to engage the communion of saints. Church, it is important to remember that first and foremost, we do not go to God alone. We go to God together. That is the communion of saints. That being said, let me also be clear that there's no spiritual necessity here um, to talk to saints or deceased loved ones. So don't be weirded out or feel some spiritual obligation. But 
Ora pro nobis, pray for us, goes all the way back to the early church and even to Jesus' own time. For full disclosure, I don't personally have a regular practice of asking saints to pray for me, but I do know quite a few Christians that have found it fruitful in their relationship with Jesus. So I just wanted to throw it out there as a possibility. Remember death, those who have died in the Lord. To conclude, perhaps you are still in the place of fearing death this morning. Probably, uh, I mean, it might be that you are not sure if you will receive eternal life with God. You may be a Christian who doesn't feel confident in your salvation. Or you may be someone who has yet to put their trust in Jesus. And you might not know how or if you will be with him forever. Or church, do I have good news for you today? You have assurance of salvation in Jesus. And the clearest sign of that is your baptism. At the start of Romans chapter 6, St. Paul says, in fact, you're already dead. <laughs> Remember your death in baptism. When we were baptized, we went down in the water. We drowned to die with Christ, to participate in his cross so that we may participate in a resurrection like his. Now that's remembering your death. Baptism is death with Christ, St. Paul says, fully trusting that the Father through Christ will raise you up again on the last day. Eternal life is on offer this morning, church. In baptism, we have objective, external assurance through the material means of water that we have received personally for us the benefits of Jesus' salvation, body and soul. Of course, we have to grow in repentance and faith and perseverance, as did all the saints. But we can be completely confident here in our baptism that we belong to Jesus. Our sin and death has been taken away, and the good news of eternal life is yours. You are free to live for him and with him forever. And what a gift this morning that we get to participate in a baptism again. We have the baptism of Savannah Alford, and we get to welcome a new saint into the communion of saints. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.